Scarlett Johansson, New York City. Sometimes you just have to hide away. Fifteen minutes. That's all you get with Hollywood stars. Fifteen minutes in a neutral room, in the company of a publicist or two. It's quite hard to make any kind of connection in that time. And New York is a very long way to go for 15 minutes with someone, however famous she is. Still, in the middle of winter, I found myself three and a half thousand miles from home, in a city with a strange energy. I was drawn to Trump Tower, where cops with machine guns stood at the door, surrounded by steel barriers and black Humvees, and the crowds waited, as if the new president might himself turn up at any time. I walked on by to my hotel, which turned out to be owned by Donald Trump too. It was as if everywhere you might go and everything you might do was dominated by the Donald in those early days of the presidency. Half a million people had been on the streets of Manhattan the day before as part of a national protest, stopping traffic and yelling out their rage. And the ghost of that protest still haunted the hotel entrance, where the doormen looked wary. Up in my room, I dropped my bags and fell back on the bed, listening to the thrum of the city come through the walls and the triple double-glazed window, which of course couldn't be opened. I was high in the sky, sealed in a box, thinking about the opening scene of a movie lost in translation. A long, still shot of a young woman lying on her side, on a bed, in a hotel room very like this one, with the same tuneless city song playing. We see her legs, her backside in yellow cotton, her torso with a blue vest top riding up at the waist. We're invited to see her as perfect, young, healthy, gorgeous. When that scene was shot, Scarlett Johansson was 18 years old. Now, when I was about to meet her, she was 32 and one of the most famous humans on the planet. Her movies had made more than $5 billion at the box office at that point, thanks to Avengers, The Horse Whisperer, The Jungle Book. She was said to be worth more than $100 million in her own right. Hello? The door opened unexpectedly. There was a flurry of apology, and a woman entered. The housekeeper was busy, distracted, and no doubt on a tight schedule. But I'd watched a Tom Hanks movie on the plane over, in which his character asked the name of anyone he came across to connect with them. So I couldn't resist trying. Renata, she said briskly. She looked about the same age as Scarlett. What did you make of the protests yesterday? I asked. Her lips pursed. She didn't want to answer. This wasn't a movie. But she did anyway. The guests were angry. What about? They couldn't get into the hotel. Okay, I said as she disappeared into the bathroom with a basket of toiletries. But what did you think of it all, personally? Renata stopped what she was doing, came back out and stood looking at me, weighing up what to say, whether to say anything. I saw her name on her badge now, black letters on white plastic against a black uniform. She made eye contact and my pulse quickened. We weren't just strangers for a moment. She wasn't just servicing my room and getting out of there. I guessed Renata was in her early thirties like Scarlett, but on a low wage, 
on a zero-hours contract under a lot of pressure. Still, she stopped. They are right, I think. He's not my president. She'd heard the chanting at the rallies, heard about the wall he was building. He hates us. That's what it sounds like to me anyway. She spoke in a low voice, not wanting to be overheard. I'm from Puerto Rico. He doesn't even know it's American. I asked if she was scared. Renata smoothed the front of her black skirt with both palms, picked up her basket and prepared to leave. This is our country. I nodded. She smiled. Have a good day. You too, Renata. You too. checked my phone and there was a message to say the place had been changed and the time put back. Scarlett will meet you at the Carlisle Hotel on the Upper East Side at 4pm. Okay. I could walk through the fresh January cold, up through the spine of Manhattan, then across Central Park. Usually I love New York. The taste of possibility in the air is intoxicating. That day, though, there was a sense that what was coming for the city and for America, might not be great. Maybe there was a sense of that back in 1930, when the Carlisle Hotel was built by Moses Ginsburg, an immigrant from Poland who'd made a fortune. Not even the financial crash could stop Moses putting up a 40-storey hotel and apartment tower in a grand Art Deco style. But two years later, he was forced to sell at auction for a fraction of the price he wanted. Now, long after Moses, the Carlisle was still one of the most famous hotels in New York, an intimidating sight. It took guts just to walk in the door. I was looking for the gallery, an exquisite private retreat for refined dining, according to the hotel inspired by the Topikaki Palace in Turkey, deep red wallpapers, bonquettes made from antique kilims and red-fringed velvet chairs, I felt more than a little out of place. And Scarlett was late, very late. She had the right to be, of course. Only Michael Caine, Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise were ahead of her in box office power. She didn't have to do this or anything else, ever. The one thing in my favour was that she had a place around the corner somewhere, having grown up nearby. Her mum was a film fan, sometime producer, of Ashkenazi Jewish descent, partly from Poland like old Moses. Her father was a Danish architect. Her school was in Greenwich Village, but Scarlett wanted to be Judy Garland, and mum was willing to indulge that fantasy, taking her to auditions. There was real talent in her too. She made her film debut at the age of nine, but it was lost in translation that won her first acclaim. It's a beautiful, elegant, poignant film about the relationship between her character, Charlotte, a young wife lost and lonely in Japan, and Bill Murray's much older, fading movie star, also adrift in the neon landscape. I felt a bit like that myself, sitting there in the half-light of the Carlisle Hotel's deepest, plushest rooms. We'd come to New York as a family a few years before, 
but the old life seemed to be fracturing and I was afraid of what might come next. So it was good to be away, but I didn't belong there and I was nervous as ever before an interview, even a bit feverish. Hey, how are you doing? Heads turned at the unmistakable voice of Scarlett Johansson, deep and smoky with a New York twang. She appeared as if by stealth, like Black Widow, but in a bulky green parka with a fur-lined hood. This wasn't a superhero, not even a movie star, but a real person, shrugging off her rain-soaked coat and handing it to the concierge, who signalled that he recognised her with nothing more than a flicker of the eyelids. I'd expected more from the moment, to be honest. She was routinely described as one of the most attractive humans on earth, so I thought she'd sweep in like Marilyn Monroe, wafting sensual appeal and causing men and women on all sides to swoon. Not a bit of it. Scarlet was brisk, businesslike, ordinary. Nervous or stern, I wasn't sure which. She was wearing glasses with thick black rims. Her hair was cut in a boyish flick. Her ears glittered with multiple tiny silver earrings. She wore black jeans and a simple black leotard top. The only thing showy about her was a pair of Doc Martin boots, artfully splattered with paint of many colours. She looked small, funky, elegant in a punky art school kind of way, totally unlike the vast electronic billboard of her in superhero mode I'd seen in Times Square on the way here, over a hundred feet high. And there'd been smaller versions all along my walking route, advertising her new film. I told her this and she laughed. Yeah, I see those everywhere. That's good, I guess. How did it feel to be surrounded by images of herself like that? And more to the point when everybody in the world knew her face, her body, her voice, and had an idea how she might behave, how did she hold on to a sense of herself? You mean your own truth? She smiled and frowned at the same time, perhaps a little surprised to get to this stuff so quickly, but I didn't have time to waste. She'd be gone in 15 minutes, half an hour if I could get her talking and fend off the PR. Where was the PR? There was no sign, surprisingly, as Scarlet settled down into one of those deep velvet chairs. I'm private, of course. I'm a private person and I live pretty low-key, as much as I can. And living in New York aids that, very much so. I grew up here, I was born and raised here, so I can scurry around the streets like any other city rat, pretty much. David Bowie found New York was the best place in the world to hide in plain sight when he came to live here. They were friends. I used to see Bowie at the Bowery Ballroom. He was just taking in new music, like any other person, and New York is great for that. It's got a great attitude, the city. But yeah, I guess that once you accept that some of those preconceived ideas that people have about you are truths about yourself, you stop fighting that a bit. Which ones? I don't know. Perhaps that I'm an outspoken person. Right on cue, the people at the next table shut her up by speaking loudly to each other about something neither of us caught properly. She looked down at my recorder. Do you want to move? I'm okay, I said, not wanting to waste a moment. 
but I do want to be sure it catches your voice. Can we shuffle up a bit? Sure, she said, getting closer. But I noted a nervous cough. She didn't know me. I'd been vetted by the PR company working for the new movie, but I could have had any number of strange issues. So I did my best to be relaxed, to give her personal space, to not get intense. We were knee to knee now, alone together here. Nobody else was coming. Scarlett was still thinking about how she kept things real. Becoming a mother has been the most humbling experience. That was a platitude, sure, but I could see how giving birth to a daughter would change the priorities and awareness of a person who'd been the centre of attention since childhood, the star and the talent in every scene. Her daughter, Rose, was nearly three years old. The father was a French magazine editor and entrepreneur called Romain Duriac, who apparently didn't speak any English when they met. Things moved fast, and they were married a month after Rose was born. Going to therapy, being curious about yourself, remaining curious about my job, living in New York City, having everyday encounters, living my life, that helps me connect all of the different parts of myself to one person. It's an ongoing trip. Being a New Yorker was obviously a big deal to her. I'd read that Ramon was keen to live in Paris full-time with Rose while Scarlett travelled for work. That would be a challenge to her, surely but I was all too aware of the need to ask about her new movie before we ran out of time. Once again, she was wearing a skin-tight catsuit to fight bad guys. So I asked how she felt about the way women in superhero movies were always being squeezed into unlikely fighting costumes. I don't know, that's hard to say, because I work alongside guys that wear skin-tight leather leotards, you know, for work. She was talking about the Avengers, including Chris Evans as Captain America. And basically you spend all day making jokes about, like, their various codpiece sizes. She was funny. She also had the rare ability to move through combat scenes, like someone who could actually fight. Was that right? Part of the challenge of doing these jobs is overcoming my own fears of confrontation and my own doubts about my physical ability. She said, I don't have the 16 years of training that my amazing stunt double Heidi Moneymaker has. That's her real name. She's my shadow. You learn to fight the same way, you mirror each other. It's a kind of ballet. I chanced my arm with a tease. Could she take me down if she wanted to? Are you trying to start a fight with me? With this teacup in my hand? I thought for a moment I'd gone too far. She was offended or unsettled. But Scarlet smiled again and shook her head. No, I'm good. I'm a peaceful person. She spoke like a character in a Woody Allen movie, which, of course, she had been in Matchpoint, Scoop, and the rather better Vicky Christina Barcelona. Woody Allen said of her, It's very hard to be extra witty around a sexually overwhelming, beautiful young woman who is wittier than you are. That sounds a bit creepy in retrospect, doesn't it? But there was definitely something about her that made people go all gooey, And if I'm absolutely honest with you, it was happening to me, just a little bit, there and then. Scarlett Johansson was laughing and smiling and touching my knee for emphasis, just as a friendly, tactile person might do. But the vain, male part of my brain, the inner chimp, if you like, was beginning to believe somehow, against all the evidence, that this was terrific, we were getting on well, this was a kind of date. Now... 
I do know that wasn't true. I knew it then. If there'd been time for an internal dialogue, I would have told my inner chimp to shut up. Unfortunately, as I tried to get a grip and looked down at my notes for a change, the first question I saw was from my 15-year-old daughter, who loved Scarlet. I'd promised to ask this question, so I had to. What is it like to know that almost everyone you meet fancies you? Ha! Nice! Yeah, that's definitely a question from a 15-year-old, she said kindly. Certainly for as many people I meet who fancy me, that's a very English way of saying it, there is another half of people just completely think, who does this person think she is? You know what I mean? Not really, but I was being careful what I said. I wondered, how had she survived in the horrendously sexist world of the movies? The whole world is like that. It's true in any industry. Hell, it's true walking down the street. I remember walking down the street in New York. Nobody knew who the hell I was, being 15 or 16 years old, and having guys catcall, you know? I was in Washington Square Park at some parade with my girlfriends, and all of us got groped by the same creepy person that walked past. We had to find a bunch of police officers and find this guy and make a report. Did they have him arrested? Yeah. I suppose I was asking about this to show that I wanted to be on her side, but also because the rise of Trump had caused her to speak up. It's time to get personal, she told a rally in Washington, at which half a million women had gathered to protest against the incoming president's behaviour and policies. He wanted to close family planning clinics. She talked about going to one of them for help and advice at the age of 15. Normally, I don't feel I need to talk to people about my intimate care, obviously. Even more so, I'm private because everything I say is pulled apart in a million different ways and repurposed. But at this point, I don't care. At this point, I feel that if I can share my story and make an impact, that's way more valuable to me than preserving the remnants of privacy. She was even thinking of running for office. I am just sick of it. I am sick of this conversation being in the mouths of politicians, what I'm doing with my body, whether my friends and I are going to be valued equal to our male friends and family. It feels so archaic. She'd also found something at the protests that was otherwise missing in her life. This amazing feeling of sisterhood, this like-mindedness, this camaraderie, men and women alike, it was incredibly uplifting and powerful. A common enemy connects us. A common cause can inspire us. I'm standing up for myself. I'm standing up for my sister and my daughter, my mom and my friends. All of us. I've had it. The daughter who wanted me to ask that question about being fancied is a triplet. I mentioned that to Scarlett because she's a twin. I'm very close to Hunter. He's my bro. He's the best. He's working in a bar downtown part-time, so I go and hassle him in there. Bartender! Bartender! We were way over time now, at least in my head, but this had turned into more of a chat about life. I expected it to end at any moment, but instead, Scarlett went deeper. One thing that's really interesting that I've realised in the past couple of years is that I have never actually been alone. 
I really have always been with somebody. She meant from the womb. And in those first moments of life, even just the spark of it, having somebody else there must affect one, right? Because of it, I'm learning now how to be alone, just with myself. But it's challenging. It's a funny thing. It doesn't mean I haven't felt alone at times or lonely, but I'm just realizing that I've always had this other half out there. Learning to be alone is a challenge for anyone, even more so with a twin. But those words must have had an extra huge personal significance to her that day because of things that were going on in her life. I would only find out about them later. Being a twin affects all your life. I notice in my intimate relationships, I've chosen people as a result of not wanting to feel alone or trying to fill some kind of space. It affects you always. We talked about how she and Roman had homes in New York and Paris but would have to choose a base when their daughter Rose started school. Yeah, then we'll all be in one place. She's two and a half now, so we're at that wonderful stage. She sings a lot. She's always been pretty good at sleeping. I like to sleep too. I thought of the young Scarlet sleeping on that bed in Japan, forever a teenager in a beautiful movie. There were so many images of her out there, so many ways for people to see her and think they knew her. Then I thought of Scarlet, the mother, sleeping with a child by her side. And I thought of this happy family skipping from New York to Paris and back. But then again, the vain chimp in my brain started to chatter. We'd been together now for much more than an hour. Fifteen minutes was a distant memory. Was she too shy to stop and leave? Surely not. As the afternoon slipped into evening, I started to think that maybe she'd stayed to talk because she liked me. That was a seductively flattering thought. She was a film star. The film star. Half the people in the world would have killed to be in that room, drinking with Scarlet, shooting the breeze on a kind of date. There's that word again. Was this turning into a date? Even just a little bit? No, of course it wasn't. What a stupid idea. How deluded men can be, even when we know better. This was an entirely professional conversation between two people who both knew how to create a feeling of intimacy quickly. An interviewer, whose livelihood depends on it, and an actor who was in the habit of creating winsome characters at the same time as keeping herself to herself. That was all. I was sure of it. Until the next day. I woke up to find social media full of stories about Scarlett Johansson, who'd been photographed in public the previous day, the day I met her, without her wedding ring. This was taken as a sign that her marriage was over. My editor emailed from London. What did you do? It was a joke, of course, an ironic blokey take on the idea that Scarlett might have met me and realised her life with Roman was empty. She needed a real man like me. I told him not to be daft. Then I started thinking, was she wearing a wedding ring? I didn't know. I hadn't noticed. I'd been a bit dazzled. 
but I did remember what she'd said. I've chosen people as a result of not wanting to feel alone or trying to fill some kind of space. Had I missed the true meaning of those words on the day? Yeah. But how could I have known them? She'd given me every reason to believe she was happy with her life and her lover. She'd created a moment that felt authentic but wasn't the whole truth. Brilliant. So, here's the big reveal. Scarlett Johansson is a terrific actor. Still, even allowing for the antics of my inner chimp, it did feel like we'd shared a few brief moments of connection, talking about life and laughing like friends. So what had just happened? Maybe it was the knowledge she could end our conversation at any time and just walk away that made it work for her. Maybe it was the same with Renata, when she was kind enough to stop and talk. Life must be a lot less comfortable when you clean the rooms in a Trump hotel than when you're worth a hundred million dollars. But maybe the desire for connection is the same. The desire to be heard. The need to look someone in the eye and feel understood, if only for a moment. It's worth chasing after. It's worth stopping for when you find it, because whoever you are, the work can sometimes feel too hard, the schedule too fierce, the crowds too overwhelming, the noise and the rage too much to handle, whether you live in Trump City or not. We all feel a bit lost in translation sometimes, adrift in a strange land. And when that happens, we need to be kind to ourselves. Take time out. Rest. If you feel like you're performing, then make like Bowie and Scarlet and stop the show. Turn off the lights. If you feel like you need to be alone, then be alone. And if you feel like you need human contact, then find it any way you can, even in a safe way with a stranger. When she did leave, after so unexpectedly long, Scarlett Johansson rose and pulled on her parka, opened her arms for a light hug and said, That was lovely. Did she mean it? I hope so. I think so. I think she may have been feeling the hurt in her life that day and seized the unexpected chance to escape all that for an hour or two, taking time out in a quiet, elegant, private, familiar place when nobody was watching, to chat with a stranger who seemed easy to talk to, maybe, giving him the illusion of intimacy, but at the same time protecting herself, finding company on a day when she may have felt really alone. And there's our lesson. Sometimes you just need to hide away, and that really is okay. Thank you for listening. I'm Cole, and these are my true stories about encounters with remarkable people and what they tell us about how to live, really, about our longing to connect with ourselves, with nature, with the divine, if we believe in that, and with each other. Can we talk 
is brought to you by Hod of Faith. I'd love to hear your stories, actually, about people who've made an impression on you in that way. Would you share them with me? You can find me on all kinds of social media as Cole Morton, or else you can get in touch, find out more, and read other people's stuff on the website, hodofaith.com. Thanks. <laughs>